Blog Talk Radio. And I And thank you for tuning in to Help for HD Live. Help for HD Live is brought to you by Help for HD International and is made possible by an education grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Katie Jackson, and today our guest is founder of Cozy Cares, Cosetta Stroud. Cosetta is going to share with us a little bit about her story and about her organization. So thank you for coming on with us today, Cosetta. Thank you, Katie. It's a delight. Yes. Well, let's talk right away. Let's start and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, it all happened with a fax from my uncle around 1993 when on the fax, way before emails started, it said, Mm -hmm. Grandma may have Huntington's disease. And that was how Mm -hmm. I started to be aware of this. At that time, though, I was in a nursing program to become an RN. And so I wasn't able to give it a lot of time and energy, but I did see about four paragraphs in one of my medical surge books, Med Surge, and it had a little blurb about Huntington's being a European disease. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting, because I don't look European. So well, there are there's so, so there, but the radio show tell um can you tell our guests actually what your what your race is? Well, I'm African American, but I do have British and lots of other things in my bloodline, as many of us do. Right, exactly. So that's so yeah, isn't that so interesting? It says it's a European disease, and that that is that's really I didn't know it even stated that in the medical journal. So. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, taken back, and I said, okay, well, that tells me, you know, a little bit about HD, and it really didn't say mm-hmm. much more. But I'm then in 93, excuse me, 94, I was, uh, my son was about six months old, and I was visiting my, do- my father in the hospital mm-hmm. time. He was diagnosed with having Huntington's disease. And that changed my world. So what that did to me was with my six-month-old in my arms and my dad with this disease, I then began to educate myself. And this was way before the Internet was popular, but because I had that medical background, it really motivated me to study, take in all the information I could, And then I made the decision to eventually get my dad 
from um, Northern California and move him. And at that time, I moved to Washington State and took my dad in in 1999. Mm, I would say at that time, my dad was in the early slash moderate stages because uh, HD has, Huntington's has the three stages, the early, the moderate, the middle stage, and then the advanced. Yeah, so at the early moderate stage, he was, the movements were pronounced. Unfortunately, when we were coming up, he did have an issue with drinking, so we did mistakenly think he was drinking when probably he was manifesting the symptoms of Huntington's disease. Sure, okay. And in fact, he was actually found in a laundromat, kind of homeless or uh, disheveled or, you know, not uh, grooming himself well and redressing himself in a laundromat. And that's what prompted the police to uh, put him, instead of in jail, they took him to the hospital. And that's when I saw him in the hospital and talked to the doctor and he was given that diagnosis. Okay. All right. Well, so he had yeah. he had run-ins with the police. Yes, as many yeah, do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So when I decided to take him in, I had to do some planning and large, uh, make sure I had an apartment complex that was large enough for us, and then eventually we would move into a home. And um, my son was three or four when I took my dad in. And at that time, I got six months or so after he moved in with us, I got him a walker, and he refused to use it until maybe six months to eight months later when he really saw the need that he would benefit. And um, on occasion, he would use it to take himself from our apartment complex to a commercial business next door. They had a grocery store, and he would go there by himself, buy himself banana or something, and come home and um he was still independent, and uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't until a few years later that I had to go, and uh, I was able to go to the Center of Excellence. Dr. Bird was there. Excellent mm-hmm. facilities. Mm-hmm. Very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, he's an excellent doctor. He is. I'm sorry he's retired, but they have still good ones mm-hmm. at the Center of Excellence. And they gave me a lot of support as well as help with me preparing our family. And I was also able to connect with the support groups that were going on in 99 in Seattle area. And that was quite informative as well. Uh And then shortly thereafter in 2000, and uh, I was graduating since I didn't complete the nursing program. I decided to go into social work. I was motivated to do that by Catherine Kimball, who worked at the Center of Excellence with Dr. Bird. And she was just an excellent example of what I wanted to be in social work and how she was able to help families and anybody connected with the Huntington's experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So It's what so I great when we get a good social worker. <laughs> so it's like we definitely, as families, need so need a good social worker. It's hard to find I, that. It is. So. I agree. Yeah. And so what she did was she connected me with the support groups, and she supported me throughout because I then started to 
figure out what I wanted to do for families with HD, and I wanted to start an RHD home. So I came up mm. with a proposal for RHD home back in 2001, 2002. I was mapping it all out to get a home to have four to six people with Huntington's, and I would care for them. And in 2003, I was able to bring in another person with HD, and that was more of a challenge than I had realized. Sure. Whoa. (laughs) Because my dad was now at the moderate stage of Huntington's. He was receiving medication to, what I say, mask or or, uh, subside some of the symptoms of movement. But he was starting to be more bed and um, having issues with swallowing. Mm-hmm. So then I took mm-hmm. on this, this additional person, and this individual was a cousin who was only 35 years old, but she wasn't able to even mm-hmm. walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I I took her in not knowing her symptoms were like they were and also learning that she was a chain smoker which (laughs) I respect the fact that, you know, people have uh, so much taken away from them in their lives. You dared, how dare you try to take away their need for for smoking. And so I respected that. The only problem was being a chain smoker, I couldn't take her every time she needed to smoke, so she would just go out to the patio and all day she would smoke. So that gave her her freedom and it gave her an opportunity to express, you know, that independence as well. Sure. But her disease was, uh, being that she was more early onset, uh, even though she wasn't a teenager, she was in her um, 35 or so forth, she already had four children, and I wasn't able Mm. to keep caring for her because of her needs and because of not being able to really assess um, the the process I really needed at the time. So I learned so much from taking her in, though, that if you're not completely equipped with what you need and and knowledge about all of the, the individuals that you want to care for, then it's good to wait until you can get that established and then take in those kinds of concerns. But you definitely need to screen the person to be on board of what their needs are, their family dynamics, before you venture on to help them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, this is so interesting you say that because I think this is what happens with the care facilities, you know, that we always talk to and we work with. They, they'll take someone if they haven't had someone with HD and they realize that they are not equipped to, to, to help them or to take care of them. And um, so I think that, that so many care facilities just aren't, able to help people with HD because of lack of awareness and knowledge of the disease. That is a good point. And just to backtrack a little bit, the reason why I was so affected too with Huntington's is because my grandmother had the disease and she had 10 children. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. and, And my father is a twin. So okay. it just so happens that the woman that I took in from my father's, her his twin brother, and she was the first indication that 
really it was manifested to that level with, of course, my father, I knew that, but my uncle, my dad's twin, had passed away in the 80s, so we really didn't see symptoms from him. Right, right. So then, oh, um, wow, it's a big family. Yes, yeah, and that large... gave me, <laughs> yeah, the needs just kept mounting as I continued and processed and thought, oh, I want to help this family, I want to help that one. How can I be able to do that? As as I progressed in my uh, knowledge and education, I kept going, and now I was in the social And then I decided to do a genogram and really get a big picture of the family and the dynamics of how our family would be impacted and was able to see just who had the disease in the family and how, if they have children, that's going to really impact those as well. But my teachers and my professors were telling me, we're sick of you writing about Huntington's disease. Pick another subject. (laughs) So... Mm. You were committed. <laughs> I was. <laughs> and <laughs> so then I wrote about having an adult family home for people with Huntington's, and then I wrote about, you know, some other ventures, and then I decided to do a bigger facility, and that's when I just explored the fact that I would need to do something on a larger scale, maybe 25 to 40 people, and that would encompass something like Cozy Care, a nonprofit that would be able to be the channel because um, RHB Home was the sole proprietor business that I had before. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Cozy Cares. What is, tell us about Cozy Cares. Tell us about your organization. Well, Cozy Care, this nonprofit is really, it's such a nice collaboration with the Village Incorporated because everybody is impacted and can help powerful facility, we don't have one that's strictly dedicated to H. Huntington's disease north of the Mississippi and Cozy Care with the establishment of a home in California. Southern California would be a nice venue because of the weather. And I have family members when I was in Washington who said they didn't want to move to Washington. It's too cold and so forth. So, California, I've decided to make this a good place for such, um, but it entails purchasing property that will be large enough to house, you know, family members and or individuals. And when I say family members, I mean because this disease affects families. Sometimes we have husband and wife. Sometimes we have, you know, so on, different needs, and they need to all be addressed. And sometimes there's children involved, and so... They all need to be incorporated or at least addressed when you're trying to find placement for somebody with Huntington's. It's no one shoe fits all. Right, right. So um, so I would imagine the criteria that you're talking about for the organization when you have the home would be just having Huntington's. Do you want to specifically just have an well, with Huntington's being like it is and the home being a facility for people with Huntington's, then if I had several levels of uh, lower level for people with the disease, maybe sometimes people aren't even, if they're teenagers or 
adults, they're still uh, in the early stages. You're still able to move about on your own. You don't need so much care. So I want to be able to serve those as well. And then, of course, the advanced stage when people are at the point where they're bedridden or more care is needed. So I want to be able to take care of those three different levels. So I need something that will, a facility that will accommodate that. And I have a a monthly donation slash a charge for services if they wanted services from one to three months for, I call it the Red Velvet Program, for $25. They would get a month, they would get an online network, quarterly reports, resources with information for three locations, and caregiving assistance. And then we could step it up mm. to the lemon custard stage, and that's for $35 a month. They would get three to six months online network, quarterly report, resources within six locations, caregiving aid with follow-up and exclusive invitations to the annual fashion show that we're going to be putting on, and it'll be fashion show for HD. And then the third one to level up is $45 a month. It will be our Diva Chocolate Program, and it's 3 to 12 months online network, quarterly report, resources with info for information for nine locations, caregiving with follow-up and exclusive invitations to the annual fashion show, as well as a Hall of Fame membership. So that's the way to this so that I can make sure that everybody's needs are met. And yet, if we have this membership going on, then it addresses a lot of the concerns that many members will be having. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about this fashion show and what's going on with this event in Southern California. Well, the event in Southern California is going to be June 3rd. And it is 2 to 4 p.m. It's at the Beverly Hills Library, which is 444 North Rexford Drive, Beverly Hills, California, 90210. And anyone who wants to RSVP can do so by calling 323-989-2273. That's 323-989-2273. Seven three are going to Cozy Care. That's C O Z I E C A R E at gmail dot com, and we'll also have raffle tickets at this event. So for a dollar, you can get a raffle ticket. Call me and or put that information in an email that you want a raffle ticket. I can put your information on the raffle ticket and put you in the box, and you can win an MP three player. Um, tickets, movie tickets, and so many other fun things that we're going to have as prizes for the raffle. And then we also have a couple of guest speakers. We have Deborah Del Castillo. She's a clinical research Mm -hmm. coordinator. She'll be speaking. And I have Daryl Hampton, who's at risk. So that's uh, his parents are mother had HD, and so he's a student at the University of Health Science at USC. He'll be speaking as well as some other guest speakers that I'm setting up. And we'll also Fantastic, have, and Deb is awesome. So if you are yeah. in the Southern California area, this is a great event, but, you know, Deb will be coming clear from um, Washington. Um, I, I'm, I'm dear friends with her, and she's awesome. So that's, that's exciting to have her coming. It is. I was so excited, too, because, you know, everybody's going to be 
hubbing around California for the HDSA convention. So that's why I'm doing sure. this event at this time. And in addition, we're going to have the president of Cozy Care Ruby, who's also a preschool teacher for LA Unified. She has been for more than 20 years, and she's willing to take the children, if there's children that come, she's willing to take them downstairs where the public library will has a children's library area and keep well, so all are welcome to come. Fantastic. Okay, and can you just share with us when we get ready, as we're getting ready to wrap up the show, um, what do you see for the future for Cozy Cares? Well, I'm real impressed with your organization and how well you've done. And I hope that you are a role model for me, and I would love for Cozy Care to be established like that. We're going to launch the CozyCare.org website coming May 1st, Mm -hmm. as well as the Instagram and the uh, Facebook. And we're going to try to touch all of those strategic platforms to make Cozy Care a household name and and household concern to address when someone is dealing with Huntington's. Yeah. Well, I'd love this. You know, care, care is a big thing in our community. Um, there's, there's such a lack of awareness. There's a lack of compassion when it comes to caring for our community and care facilities. So when we hear about things like this, we get so excited, and especially at coming from an HD family member and you understanding the, the needs of, of the community because you are part of the community. It's, um, it's always very exciting to hear this. So we are excited to watch Cozy Care very close and um, see how it goes and partner and with you guys uh, as much as you want us to. And so this is exciting. If you are in the L.A. area, make sure you guys mark your calendar for this event. This is going to be fun and exciting. Um, Deb will be there. You will get to meet Cosetta. And um, and I think this will be this will be a, a amazing event. So if you're in the area, once again, Cosetta, can you tell them how they can reach you to RSVP for the event? Okay, so RSVP is with three two three nine eight nine two two seven three or Cozy Care C O Z I E C A R E at Gmail dot com. And feel free to nominate any caregiver by sending a 30-second to 30 second to one-minute video or email of any caregiver that's special to you. They may be awarded at this event, which is June 3rd at 444 North Rexford Drive, Beverly Hills, California, 90210 at the Beverly Hills Library. Oh, I love that, that you're doing caregiver uh, nominations. It's so important um, for us to recognize our caregivers, and so I love that. So nominate your caregiver. That is um, incredibly exciting. So any final thoughts, Cosetta, before we get off the air here? Yes. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to give a voice because, as you mentioned, has been on the bottom of the scale of need for Huntington's because we all want a cure. But while we're waiting for the cure, we have people who need care right now. So please, please call, help, and let's make this happen. Cozy Care is with you to support you. You are never alone. Oh, I love that. Yes, that's a good way to end the show. Absolutely. We need to care for our loved ones today. Absolutely. Um, 
And so thank you so much, Cosetta, for coming on with us. And I can't wait to hear about your event in June. Maybe we'll do a follow-up radio show, and we can talk about how that went and do an update for our listeners that aren't able to come. So I would definitely like to bring you back. Um, Thank you once again for being on the show. Um, To to our listeners, you can tune in next week, um, Wednesday, same time, same place. We're going to talk about survivor's guilt. We're going to talk um, with Genevieve Patch, who just wrote an article for the Huntington Post about survivor's guilt. And on April 25th, we are going to have on the radio show our HGGEM project, and that's with Casey Harrington, who has made an ecosystem of resources and education out there for our community. And it's going to be super interactive and fun to hear more about that. So um, tune in next week, same time, same place. And until then, everyone, have a safe night. Thank you, Katie. Thank you.